right, all right. Day 98. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so, man, we're in the thick of the Psalms, and the Psalms have been so good so far. And today we're in starting off in Psalm 49. So Psalm 49 is this wisdom song, right, where the psalmist wants to highlight what we ought to hope in, hear this, in light of what the future holds out for everyone, right? No matter what, the future holds out the same destiny for all mankind, right? And it's death, right? Death has a 100% mortality rate. Right. And it's interesting that in scripture, the one thing that sobers us up, the one thing that is meant to help us live life in a way that uh, is in line with biblical wisdom is death itself. Right. So he will use in these first four verses, he will call on the inhabitants of the earth. This is not just for Israel. This is for everybody. Right. All the peoples. And he asked that they would hear him. Right. Showing us that wisdom has a universal scope and application point right like it's this is not just for you know a particular group of people this is for everybody this is universally true verse six they trust in their wealth and boast about of their abundant riches that they cannot yet these cannot redeem a person or pay his ransom to god and he says this in verse eight since the price of ever redeeming him is too costly one should forever stop trying What he is not saying is that money is bad or that wealth is inherently sinful or evil. However, he is saying it is a terrible God, right? It is a terrible place to place your hope and security, right? And the reason he says this is because money cannot buy the most important thing in the universe, right? There's a debt that no dollar amount can wipe out, right? It costs too much. And it's interesting too that he says, um, he uses these words, redeem and ransom, um, to speak of money, things money can't buy. Um, and those are theological terms, right? And they have to do with the way God has paid our debt, right? That sin has incurred to free us from bondage to sin and from death itself. And so he plays on this idea of purchasing, right? And money does not have that kind of purchasing power but the new testament will tell us that christ's blood more valuable than silver or gold and riches has that power because it purchases something riches and wealth never could and that is our redemption psalm 50 psalm 50 um the first part of the psalm speaks of the coming of god the appearing of the lord who is going to appear before the whole earth to act as a judge now it's so interesting that the new testament is going to say hey jesus christ is this one right he is the one who is going to come again and judge the living and the dead and this psalm is going to point out the holiness of god right we see so much imagery in this psalm from exodus 3 in the burning bush where where god was like yo moses take off the shoes mike g take take them off right this is holy ground exodus you know 19 with the glory cloud on mount sinai and israel was like yo we don't we don't want to hear that right we're we're afraid right exodus 24 all of these texts and most of the time you know in the psalms we have people speaking to god but in this psalm we have god speaking to 
his people. I think one of the things that the prayer book of the Christian and Jewish faith for all these years is trying to say to us is that prayer and communion with God is just as much about listening as it is about speaking, right? We tend to think that when we commune with the Lord, that it's all about what we say to him, but rarely do we remember that it's about what he's saying to us. Look at what he says. Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. And he goes on to talk about these religious rituals. And he'll say, you know, in verses 7 to 13, right, the, he'll speak of the way in which he doesn't need our sacrifices, right? God doesn't need our religious rituals, right? And the irony is that, you know, the Old Testament scripture, scriptures will say that we do. <laughs> That's the interesting thing about biblical faith, right? It's, it's we need these things, not God, he doesn't need these things. And this actually distinguished the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, from the other gods of the ancient Near East, right? He didn't need to be appeased by humanity, right? Um, but we need these things. And obedience and dependence, and the point he's making here is that obedience and dependence on God is more important than sacrifices, right? Religious sacrifices to him, right? And it's so interesting that he's going to hammer that home here, uh, and it's so funny because we tend to think that if we're outwardly doing the right things, going to church every Sunday, reading our Bible, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, participating in the, the, the church's extracurricular activities, uh, listening to this podcast, right? Like all these things that we think that we have favor with God and he desires sacrifices for our sake, but also again, and more importantly, obedience and dependence upon him to be who he is for us and to act as he does for us. And at the end, he's going to contrast the righteous and the wicked. And, um, you know, one of the things that he's, he's going to bring out is uh, those who are high handed and hypocritical, right? Those who make these religious sacrifices and then live any uh, way they want to live outside of that time. And those who remain faithful to the Lord uh, receive different destinies, right? One receives judgment the other receives salvation psalm 51 psalm 51 super popular psalm and i love it because it's david showing us you know the fallenness of humanity right uh, via david king david right the chosen king of israel and it is a psalm of repentance right in the setting you already know it is david and bathsheba right and you think we tend to think we've screwed up we've blown it it's like, a, like Jesus, have you not read, right? Like Jesus will say, have you not read Psalm 51? And look how he starts. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. For those of us who have made a mess of our lives or we've made a mistake, the only thing we can and should appeal to is God's mercy, right? God's mercy. And I love how real the Psalms are because he says, completely wash away, not just my sins, but my guilt. All right. And one of the things, yeah, I appreciate is, you know, just this humanness, right? So we all know that guilt is attached to sin, like white is attached to rice, right? Like they are usually inseparable, right? And Look at verse two, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation. David was not a stranger to sinning, 
but also he wasn't a stranger to the deep guilt and shame that comes along with the things God created us not to do, right? And guilt, like many of us know, will eat us alive, right? Guilt is this thing that doesn't just dissolve. It doesn't just go away. It doesn't just fade, right? It isn't dissolved, but it must be absolved, right? It must be atoned for, right? It must be done away with. It must be blotted out, right? And David is calling on God to do that very thing, right? He talks about the dirtiness that he feels as a result, and he needs to be clean, right? My man had innocent blood on his hands, right? The scriptures say in Proverbs, like the Lord hates that. (laughs) And he couples this need for cleansing with the need for restoration, right? And I want to just say today, if you're dealing with any type of sin, that the good news of Jesus Christ is that he took our guilt and shame upon himself, right? He humiliated himself publicly for the sins of you and I so that when we do sin, we can turn to God and ask God to remember that sacrifice that he gave for us, right? And so this repentance that David is calling for is looking forward for when God would cover his sins. And this repentance also is aimed at restoration, right? That's always the goal of repentance. Repentance is not just about saying, yo, God, I'm sorry. No, it's about being restored, right? To this communion and this fellowship with God. And I just love the Psalm because it shows that God, God is more merciful than we are sinful, right? He is more faithful than we are unfaithful. I pray that y'all would rest in that truth today. The last Psalm of this bunch is Psalm 52. And this Psalm is rooted in a historical situation. Remember my man Doeg, the Edomite, right? He was a snitch in uh, modern day terms. He told on my man David to Saul, David was running from Saul. Doeg was snitching talking about, yo, I know where, uh, I know where uh, David is. And because Saul was all, you know, insecure and paranoid, he kills 85 priests. So 85 priests get killed because Doeg snitched on David and David's on the run from Saul, even though he didn't do nothing to Saul, right? This is 1 Samuel 21 and following. You can read about this. And uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, is interesting that David is going to say here is he says, hey, you know, you love evil instead of good. Verse three, lying instead of speaking uh, truthfully. And, uh, you know, one of the things that characterize those that are opposed to God in scripture um, is that they love what is evil and they hate what is good, right? And the contrast and the foil to that would be that the godly should love what is good and hate what is evil. Not only that, for David, these folks, Doeg and all these other cats, are those that aren't accused of loving evil necessarily only, but also about boasting in it, right? Praising that which God would call profane. And Paul will talk about this some in Romans 1 to talk about the plight of humanity and um, the sinful nature that we have and what it leads us to do. The point being here though, if you really want to know what your life is about, just look at the things you applaud, right? Look at the things you applaud others for, right? And um, I, I love just how the Bible just kind of brings that out here, verse five, he'll say this though. This is why God will bring you down forever. He will take you, ripping you out of your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. David, uh, David declares acutely the judgment that folks will receive from the Lord for this kind of lifestyle. And he contrasts, um, you know, the righteous in this psalm with the wicked at the end, showing that the type of security that God offers for those who trust in him. And he says, um, instead of being uprooted like the wicked, in verse five, he says, they are like a flourishing olive tree, right? In the house of God. 
He says the wicked trust in their abundant riches for their ultimate hope and security. The righteous trust in the faithful love of God. The wicked boast about evil, but the righteous praise the Lord forever. This is a song of confidence for those that love, praise, and hope in the God of the Bible, that they will be secure forever, regardless of the opposition they face on this side of heaven. God, the main thing I think we can take from this song is that God loves us enough to protect us, and that love and protection never ceases to be, and it extends into eternity. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your protection. Today, we ask for confidence uh, in who you are and what you've done for us in Christ. We pray that that would be our boast. We wouldn't boast about uh, the ways we've rebelled against you, but in the ways we trusted in you.